you can always go back. If you're a talented creative, there's a shop that wants you, you know? And so if you take the leap and you decide it's not for you, cool. Just send your resume out. Let people know that you're open to a full-time gig again, and you'll get one. What's up, people? You're listening to A Quick Read, an advertising podcast that talks book smarts and street smarts with the people who have been there, done that. Today's guest is independent creative Rachel Kirkwood, a creative strategist and copywriter who helps brands and agencies say it better. She helps us think like a product designer as we discuss designing your life by Burnett and Evans. You know what to do. Tune in and turn up. What's up, Rachel Kirkwood in the building today? What's going on? <laughs> um, everything, nothing, everything, <laughs> all of it. All the things. All so, the things. So you guys are, uh, I assume you guys are on on summer break, you, the fam, the kids, the whole nine. So you're, yep. just, you're just doing it all, mm-hmm. juggling all the things. Mm-hmm. Well, I am stoked that you're on the show and somebody who juggles all the things needs a plan. And you picked out a pretty cool book today. Designing Your Life by Bill Burnett and Dave Evans. Why is this book meaningful to you? Well, I think as an independent creative, um, I have to uh, reinvent myself a lot all the time. And I'm always um, defining what I do and and who I am and the work that I bring to the table. Um, And and also in this post-pandemic world, I think people are redefining what work looks like. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I thought it was kind of timely too. Um, But to look at your career, your life, and uh, your work-life balance and your creative work um, through the lens of kind of a product designer is an Mm. interesting way to look at your life. Yeah. Well, it is definitely interesting. And I think what's even more interesting is the fact that We've had a chance to work together. Yes. So, you know, this isn't our first rodeo. We've, we've done some things and worked through some branding stuff. And, and we've, we've had you do some strategy stuff, some copy stuff. So as an independent creative, um, you know, what else, what else do you do within that? I know your background was sort of a copywriter, but let's get the backstory. How did you get into this wild world of advertising? <laughs> Well, that actually started in college. Um, when I was a kid, I wanted to be an artist. Um, and uh, But um, my parents were, my dad in particular was kind of like, yeah, but you know what? You should, should always know about business. We come from a very entrepreneurial family. Um, and so I, I thought, okay, what's a way that I can put together art um, and writing, which I loved, and business and advertising? was what came out of that. Um, and so I went to school for it at the University of Kentucky. I got okay. a business degree. Are for you the part business. of the big blue nation? Yes, so absolutely. You, you, go, you go crazy. There's like face paint. You fist fight people when, when the game is on. <laughs> well, uh, probably <laughs> more back in the college days. I can't say I remember all of it, uh, but <laughs> I, ma- I married one. So my wife is, na- her, so name is her name is Rachel as well. And she went, she went, uh, yeah, I don't know. She traveled to the final four with her friends and that whole thing. They were crazy. It's, it's so much fun. I mean, you could hear people cheer. If you walked outside in, in Lexington, <laughs> you could hear people cheer just all across the city. It was pretty cool. That's awesome. Um, yeah. But I got a business degree and then also a communications degree with a focus in advertising. So I had like uh, old mad men for teachers and it was awesome. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And then coming out of school, I came back to Cincinnati um, where there's a little bit more of an advertising scene than in Lexington, which is a smaller city. Um, 
And uh, then I got started out really at Barefoot. Okay. Um, and they were really coming up in digital. Um, and they were doing a lot of digital work for PNG. Um, the home care brands, um, Swiffer, Mr. Clean, and all that stuff. And so we were uh, um, redesigning all of their websites. That was a lot of the work that I did. And some other um, fun, uh, cool projects as well. But I really learned um, digital at, at Barefoot. Gotcha. And so at what point did you decide, you know, I think I'm going to design my life. I think I'm going to, you know, step out and, and try some other things and really sort of, you know, craft the the narrative I want. Um, well, I, I felt like I needed more variety. Um, and it, it's funny cause I mentioned the home care brands. Um, and while I was there, we redesigned systematically Swiffer, uh, Mr. Clean, Febreze, Dawn, Dish Soap. Um, and so went through those processes, learned so much. Um, and then after a few years, we started back at the beginning. We're like, it's time to now redesign <laughs> yeah. Swiffer. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> it's I can't do this again. I got to jump. I need yeah. something different. I need more experiences. And I had always had interest in um, the branding side of things. I wanted to do more full spectrum and have more opportunities. Gotcha. Um, so um, that's when I kind of took the leap um, and worked a lot at what was then possible. Well, I think it was Bridge back then, possible, yeah. and is now gray worldwide today. Um, and so um, did a lot of permalancing there. Um, and it just kind of grew from there, a lot of word of mouth. Yeah. Um, the, the, the nice thing about um, being an independent creative is that um, we have a lot of um, people moving around in our industry. It's not like the banking industry where you stay right. somewhere for 30 years. So a lot of people are they're moving and shaking and they're moving around to different shops. And so if you work with somebody and you kind of prove yourself one place, then they kind of within a couple of years flow over to other shops. And, yeah. oh, I remember Rachel, we worked on this project together and let's call her. So it, very, it was very organic growth. Gotcha. So, so you definitely have worked a lot with agencies. Do you also work direct to client? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is that an opportunity where you're working with, with smaller brands and you're helping to really build and tell their story? What's the difference between the work you do direct to client and say the agency work? Um, you can really, I think you can um, affect more change sometimes. Um, like for example, yes. Uh, so answer your question, I work with um, small like startup places or really cool mom and pop shops, but then also big brands like Cow, who has Jurgens, mm. John Frieda. Yeah. They're kind of like a, a um, they're a CPG company, not quite as big as um, PNG, and they're focused on beauty. Um, but um, but you can affect a lot more change in their, say, um, innovation pipeline, Yeah, you know, um, uh, with trends and insights and, um, it, and it's pretty cool. So um, I think you can start up further upstream when you work directly with a client. Um, That's awesome. Well, it definitely seems like you've been on a journey. Um, from the book, Bill Burnett has a quote, life design is a journey. Let go of the end goal and focus on the process and see what happens next. So I want to transition to our first big idea, this idea of how to think like a product designer. So what have you learned, you know, from the book and what, what's been true in your career to how do you think like a product designer when you're working as a strategist or a copywriter and, and how's that been true in your, the brand you're working on? Um, well, um, well, first of all, I was like, oh, think like a designer. Okay, what does that mean for me? And in, in the world that we live in, a designer is a graphic designer, digital designer, UX and all that kind of good stuff. Um, 
And but this is thinking like a product designer and like these two guys, for example, that wrote this book were Apple product designers. So one of them was instrumental in making the hinges that go into our laptops that we okay. use every day. Those kind of pretty hidden hinges, but that work beautifully. And then the other one was responsible for coming up with how the like the modern trackpad works. Um, and so um, they are like more engineers. And so it's more of engineering you know, our life. And so um, they start out the book talking about how you have to think like a product designer, you have to be curious. So it's the reason why some people find opportunity everywhere. Um, try stuff, experiment, prototype, iterate, never get stuck in one mm. place. Um, reframe problems. Um, it's how product designers get unstuck. So um, it allows you to take a step back and examine new solution spaces. So I know sometimes we all get stuck, whether it's mm-hmm. because we see a blank white page before us that's freaking us out, or um, you know, you get into a hole with a client and you go round and round in circles and swirl <laughs> and all that stuff. I mean, yeah. We we all know that that land. No, it's a process. Be aware of that. Sometimes you have to let go of the end goal and 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 um, and focus on the processes you were saying, um, and then ask for help. So creating a team, because creating is a team sport, as we all know. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about that for a second. Yeah. You know, when you approach a client, whether it's um, agency or direct a client as a as an independent contractor, how do you get how do you get on the team, right? Because you're sometimes coming from the outside in. Yeah. You might be sort of odd man, odd woman out, but yet it's a team sport. Yeah. And you're a part of a project that everyone else has already been talking about and they're throwing you into. So, you know, when you think about some of the things you were talking about, you were talking about things like reframing and whatnot. How does that, what's that balance? Because like you could come into an already happening conversation and say, hey guys, we should reframe. And then you might get some looks. Like talk a little bit about that for those listening who might be thinking about going into the independent contractor sort of realm or whatnot. But how does one artfully find their way onto a team well? <laughs> well, I do think that uh, it, it, a lot of times it's the case that when they call somebody in, they are exhausted. Mm-hmm. A lot of times um, they're handling a bunch of other projects or they've just hit a dead end. And so by that point, I think they're welcome, uh, welcoming fresh thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's, um, that's one way. And then, I have the unique position when you're an independent and you're kind of floating around a little bit to um, learn every day from the way other teams have done things and the way that other brand problems have been yeah. approached. And so you can come in and say, you know, without sharing proprietary information, of course, you can say, you know, I've seen somebody mm. crack this nut this way before. Why don't we try this? So yeah. I can kind of pull from that learning that collective learning that we're all doing together in this industry um, and, and reapply it. Yeah. It's like a superpower. You know, I, I feel like I get the same thing from hosting this podcast. I get so many amazing, talented people to be able to just share their process and how they think. And I'm just like, this is awesome. Isn't it great? <laughs> and I'm just like taking notes and I'm like, oh my God, that's good. That's good. That's good. And uh, so I, I totally get what you're saying there. Um, you know, what, what are the things that, you know, you try to do or what are the exercises or, or practices that you'll do with teams or when you jump onto that team when maybe it's just not landing right? Maybe the idea, maybe the nut isn't cracked yet. The idea is, it's close, but it's not there. You know, is, is there things that you like to do personally to sort of help you kind of work through that and, and bring solutions? Or is there things that you do as a team lead? What are some of those 
hot tips and tricks for those those people out there who were like, man, I wish I had the the answer. Well, one thing that I like to do is research. Um, I think that that insights feed the best work. Mm-hmm. And so when it's not landing right, there may be a bigger problem. So if you take a few steps back, and I think hearing directly from the consumer mm-hmm. um, can help you do that reframing. Um, and so something that I've geeked out about the last several years is search research. What are people looking for online? What do they care about? Um, and so, you know, you can take a step back and be like, well, what are people looking for around this mm-hmm. specific topic or product or issue or whatever? What do people care about? Um, and that may lead you to the insight that helps you uh, course correct. Um, social listening is really interesting to kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? or aggregate sentiment about mm-hmm. something, you can look at the patterns and say, well, this is not how people think about this brand anymore. This is not how people think about this product or what they want. Um, and so if you have an idea that's that's based around kind of faulty thinking, mm-hmm. then it's time to take a step back. And, um, and I think having more consumer insight helps with that. So um, trends and insights is something that I've been um, been hitting home lately. So that definitely sounds more like the strategist yeah. versus the copywriter. Although the copywriter, I mean, the age old copywriter always does the research, right? Yeah. Right. And I think that's where a lot of people, you know, you don't have to, just because you're not in the research department doesn't mean you can't do research, right? That's, a, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And I think the best way to say something the right way is to make sure that you're saying the right thing first. Yeah. You know, how you say it is not not the most important part always. It's what you're saying. And then you figure out how to say it. Yeah. So I think that, you know, when you talk about product design, that definitely sounds a lot like that, you know, the strategy side of, of what you do and thinking like a strategist. Um, is there correlations to writing good copy that you can learn from product design? Like, you know what I mean? You think of product design, you mentioned hinges and you mentioned, you know, elements of a, of a thing you can hold in touch, but you can't really hold in touch words. I mean, you can read, you can hold the page, but the words are these sort of, you know, not ambiguous, but these sort of ominous ideas that float around and they, they contain meaning, but they're not really something tangible, right? So how does one, you know, as an experienced copywriter approach, you know, I don't know, a headline or maybe a manifesto like you would a product design? Um, well, I think uh, the try stuff, um, thinking like a, a product designer, experiment, prototype, um, iterate, um, and then also asking for help. So um, sometimes the, your design partner comes up with the best line and you just got to know that, that, you know, a great idea can come from anywhere, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think you have to pull together your resources. And then, and then I think, you know, you, you have to walk away from, from the, the idea that sometimes you can have, have, a, have a good idea right off the bat and just experiment and play. Yeah. You know, one of the uh, things that this sets up is the second idea where um, we, we talked about um, engagement, energy, and flow journaling. And I think about flow and flow state and I think, you know, when you're going to get to good ideas or you're going to get to something that has legs or values, it's important to get into that flow state. Yes. Um, so what's been true about your career when it comes into engagement, energy, and, and flow journaling? What have you learned there? Well, okay. So I'm going to go back to the book for a second because I had never done an exercise like this and it was really fascinating to me. They... Um, 
they said, you know, to really kind of home in on the things that you that you love and to um, have more um, chances to find that flow state. Um, some of the best ways to do that is um, to journal a little bit mm-hmm. and um, go through a couple weeks of your life, a week or two weeks, and um, draw these kind of dashboards that you journal with. Um, one is an engagement dashboard and one is an energy dashboard. And um, this is like, okay, go through your um, your everyday work life, um, do project one, project two, project three, whatever you do through the day. And Mark, does does it engage you? Hmm. High or low as you go through the day? Project one, does it engage you? You know, high or low, kind of like a, a dashboard in a car. Um, and then with energy, does it energize you? Hmm. Or does it deplete your energy? Okay, and then a little checkbox, check if you reached flow during that project. Hmm time. Um, and so I did that. I journal, journaled for a few weeks and it was, it, it was um, revealing. You know, it's like some of the things that I, I thought, oh, that's what I do all the time. Or if somebody asked me what, you know, what do you do? I would explain I did were the things that either I really wasn't engaged in mm. or did not energize me. Um, and so it really helped me define the things I love to do best. And then I could go after more of those things. Um, and so, like, for example, um, I, I really found flow when I was putting together presentations with search trends, insights, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and workshops, putting together workshops and doing workshops. I'm an introvert. And so, <laughs> that stuff scares me. But it also, I was highly engaged. I was learning. Mm-hmm. And, I, it, and it gave me energy um, versus, like, large group presentations um, and um, and and kind of getting into the nitty gritty of writing web page copies. So <laughs> kind of more <laughs> of that executional stuff. Um, and so that allowed me to pivot and say, okay, let me reorient. Let me go after um, clients and projects that allow me to do these things where I find my flow state because the work's going to be better. I'm going to be happier. It's going to be a very cyclical, positive mm-hmm. outcome. Yeah, that's that's really insightful. Do you think it's possible to lead your clients into that space as well? Like, have you thought about, hmm, if this worked for me, you know, is there a way that you come in uh, for a client and they're like, you know, hey, we need some help with some strategy or we're trying to refocus our business. Uh, How do you think you could bring them along in that journey and help them sort of find their flow or kind of get excited with their energy? Is that something that you think is possible or is that just like a, a personal journey? I think it's both. I think I want to experiment with it. I think I'm going to try to do that in the next workshop. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that idea. And I will report back because I have never done that, but I, I want to now. Yeah. Cause I, my, my thought is that like, you know, you know, people that we work for clients, they're just like us, right? Like they might be burnout. They might be not in their flow state. They might be frustrated. They might want to be in a different department. And I think as creatives, you know, that could be an opportunity where we say, Hey, you know, I'm going to go on this journey and I'd like to bring you with me. And I know you've been here and you, you see things from one angle, but I want to invite you into my process and maybe look at it differently. And so here's what I'm going to be doing over the next week. Um, I would invite you to do that with me. And then let's talk about that and, and have that be part of this process. I don't know, maybe. I think it's brilliant because we are a service industry, right? Mm-hmm. And, and we're here to help make their work better, yeah. the client. And so um, if we can help them get to their flow state, then, it, and you're both journaling together, you have a very compli- complimentary uh, uh, relationship, then you can you can help each other. 
Yeah, like you can crack the brand, you can crack the the client mm-hmm. behind the brand. Yes. That might be the more important thing, right? Like if they walk away feeling more energized and empowered, et cetera, then even if the brand is just like still the same or like a little bit more forward moving, then it could still have a huge impact. 100%. And you, I mean, you know that it, it always translates to better work when you have a better client relationship anyway. So relationship building, even if it's just that is huge. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about um, work as an independent contractor and flow state and then mom, 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 <laughs> mom, hey, mom, 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 mom. <laughs> How do you get into flow state when, especially as an independent contractor, I assume that you have a lot of work from home time like everyone does these mm-hmm, days. Right. What do you do when, when you're mom as well and- you know, what we've all been doing, just trying to survive and figure it out. Um, I, I, I've been doing this 12 years as of like a week ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, I think there's a lot more empathy and understanding for working from home now. Um, so that's been a beautiful thing. Um, I didn't realize how much I actually didn't work from home until the pandemic hit that I was working from coffee shops and client offices mm-hmm. and I was jumping into teams. So I was in the war room with the team yeah. or I was at the coffee shop next door before my meeting started. And so I really wasn't at home a lot. Um, and so I've been figuring it out with the the rest of us. Um, but the, the kids are really respectful. I have a nine-year-old and a five-year-old. And so they know when, you know, when mommy's, you know, staring at her computer, whether, and somebody's talking at her through Zoom mm-hmm. or that I'm furiously banging on the key, keyboard that um, that they need to find something to do. And they, <laughs> they've gotten really good about it. Um, but it is hard to balance because, um, you know, you have guilt associated with that too, yeah. you know? And um, so... I, I try to break it up. I do a lot of I do a lot of night work. I'm a night owl naturally, um, and so I kind of save some of that flow state stuff for when I know that yeah. my brain turns on, which is night, and they're in bed anyway. So yeah. that's my personal solution to that. Um, but I know everybody has their tricks. Yeah. Do just out of curiosity because I love I love the things kids say. Do they? What do they tell people that you do? Like, like how do your kids describe? Like, if they're like, if they were, to, if I were to ask them, like, what does your mom do for a job? Like, what would they say? <laughs> My five year old probably say, "Mommy talks to people on the computer screen a lot." I mean, I think that's all, the only sense sense of it that he has, and um, uh, he shows up sometimes in a Ninja Turtle suit in the background of my calls, and it's it's adorable and cute. But I, I don't think he has any idea. Um, my my older daughter, she is so artistic. She's so creative. She is just an amazing ball of creative energy, and she knows that um, that mommy like makes ads and writes things and makes cool pictures. That's what she gotcha. she knows so she, about me. So she understands like the commercial world and. She knows when she sees a commercial and all that stuff. Yeah, and she, 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 I don't use the word gig ever, but she told somebody that she, when she grows up, she wants to be a mom, um, an artist, a scientist, and have like a hundred side gigs. So (laughs) that's funny. She's got that mommy's got a hundred gigs. She's seeing that entrepreneurial (laughs) spirit for sure. That's really, that's really cool. Um, You know, Again, building on engagement, energy, flow journaling, um, and getting into that sort of you know flow state to be able to come up with ideas and solutions. Uh, what, what's your feedback for young people 
that are, you know, maybe they're, they're graduating college, you know, like you did years ago and, and they're, they're wanting to get into this industry and they're like, you know, maybe they're, they're, they're thinking, huh, I could, I could try this whole like freelance independent route or, you know, yet at the same time I'm here and I need to be a part of a team and, you know, I could join an agency or I could go work for a brand as someone who's done all of those. Um, what do you say to them? Um, I say you gotta find you gotta find a boot camp. You gotta find a a shop that whose work you respect because nothing, no amount of school can replace real world experience. You have to be on a team functioning as a mm-hmm. team to really get that. And as um, like a freelancer straight out of school, you're not gonna have. I, I don't think the um, the exposure to big brands bigger brands and bigger projects that you would at, um, at a shop. Um, and so I, I think you have to do your time, um, and, and learn, um, at, at the best place that you can get a job and then you might fall in love with it. And then you may love being in a team. I've, I have friends who have, um, who have kind of quit their day job, I guess, um, at a specific office and tried freelance life. And they're like, you know what? I love my team. I love the comfort of walking in and having my plant mm-hmm. on my desk and my lunch spot. Um, <laughs> and that's just who they are, you know? Yeah. Um, and so you may find that you, that you love your, your family of creatives where you end up. So you got, I, think it's, I think it's important to do your due diligence and try that out and build the relationships and prove yourself. And then if you're like, you know what? Variety is the spice of life. I want to go and free and try some new things and meet some new people, then you have the relationships to do that um, in place. And you have that, the bigger brand experience when you walk out the door. Yeah. To flip that on the other spectrum for those that are like you, maybe they've been in the agency and world for 10 plus years. And they're like, man, I kind of want to branch out. I kind of want to, I want that variety. You know, it's kind of the variety that you were talking about. Um, you know, as they're thinking about how to quote, think like a product designer for their life, you know, as they're thinking about how do I get more flow state, you know, maybe they do this audit we talked about and they realize like, oh, I'm not, I'm not firing on all cylinders where I'm at. What do you say to them? Those people right now that are, you know, maybe they're, you know, somewhere in Toronto, um, at a, at a large agency, um, uh, maybe they're in New York, maybe they're in Seattle. What do you say to them and, and what words of encouragement or what have you learned in your journey that, that they should hear? Well, the sky's the limit, especially now when I think people, there's a lot that uh, remote work has been embraced more than ever. I think that was, uh, that was already happening, but it's definitely been catalyzed by the pandemic and, um, and even shops in Cincinnati are hiring a lot of people. I, I think, you know, um, from coast to coast and even internationally more than they ever have been before because they realize they don't they don't need them there on site to really get great work. Um, so you can expand your horizon. So I I I, um, I think build relationships. Um, think about maybe do that audit. See what see where you find your flow. What part of the work that you currently do uh, makes you the most happy, and what what people do you know in your network uh, that are uh, more aligned? Either work somewhere that's more aligned with the things that you love to do, um, or um, or other people that you know who have gone independent themselves and maybe looking for collaborative partners with complementary skills, um, and 
uh, network and connect. And that way you already have some things lined up or at least relationships um, rekindled um, for that moment when you take the leap. Um, And then time, trusting time, it takes a minute to, um, for those, um, those relationships and opportunities to come to fruition. So you may set up coffee with somebody that you used to work with five years ago. Mm-hmm. They used to work at the same shop as you. And you know that they work at a really cool place now and you've heard great things about it. And you say, hey, can we get together and have lunch? And um, I, you know, I, I, I think I'm going to take the leap to um, be an independent person. Um, and it, they may not have a project for you for six months you know, yeah. um, it, and that's okay. It takes a while to build that up. It took me a couple years, um, but I was younger when I went out on my own. And so I think people, especially who are higher up on the ladder, um, when they when they jump off, <laughs> is um, they, they're in even better place because they um, they have probably clients that they can call. Yeah, they have um, they have a larger network to pull from. Um, they have more experience. So. Um, and then just do it because um, it's funny. I have a friend who just took that leap um, and uh, she sent me an email afterward and she said, I just want to thank you because I, I was looking at life in black and white. I was thinking it's all or nothing. I'm full-time or I'm independent. Um, and it was really, really scaring me. But something something that, she, uh, that I had said to her I, um, is you can always go back. If you're a talented creative, mm. there's a shop that wants you, you know? And so if you take the leap and you decide it's not for you, cool. Just <laughs> send your resume out, let people know that you're open to a full-time gig again, and you'll get one, you know? Yeah. Um, you can always experiment, you know, prototype, iterate, and go from there. Yeah, no, that's great. Great feedback. You know, I think that that to me, one of the things you said there was building relationships. It brings me to the third big idea is build a team that makes you better. You know, one of the quotes I liked from the book was happiness is letting go of what you don't need. Um, you know, when we think about building a team, you know, for our for for work, we think about designers and copywriters and art directors and that sort of thing. But when we think about our own lives, when we think about ourselves, when we're, you know, designing um you know, our best life. And, you know, this book really, you know, that's what it's about designing your life. You know, the team that you're building is the team that sort of supports and surrounds you. Um, Talk about how important it is and and what did they cover in the book on what makes a good team that can help you thrive in your life? Um, It's having a a group of people that lifts you, supports you, and makes you a better person. Mm -hmm. Um, and and we know that that's what the creative work takes on a you know you want to be on a great creative team because you know it's going to be better if you've mm-hmm. got some some amazing people on the team, but applying that to your life, I don't think we think to do that a lot. I don't think we, yeah. you know. And so, but as an independent, it's funny because ironically, as an independent, I have never ever ever felt alone. Um, because I have this network of people around me. I have mentors. I have people that I call a lot um, for advice. Um, friends, you know, in this industry, we make a lot of lifelong friends yeah. and drinking buddies and, mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, and now we have kids and our kids grow up together. Um, and mentees, which teach me a lot about what's going on in the upcoming generation. Um, and um, and so many bosses to tap into, you know, and so many... 
Um, and, and I have a network of, um, a writers that helps me and collaborative, um, contractors as well. So like a search partner and, um, and a kind of a marketing director for hire that I team up with a lot of times and a whole myriad of designers. Um, and you're all learning and growing together. Um, so you have to make sure that you have people around you that you can bounce ideas off, that you can call and say, I have this trouble client. I don't know what to do with them. Whether it's, you know, contract, that's something that independent contractors have to deal with a lot is contracts. You don't have to deal with that so much when yeah. you're a shop, you know? How do I navigate this payment piece of things? And people that give you great feedback and support you and want you to thrive. Um, mm-hmm. In our industry, there's also, you know, some... Um, some um, egos and backstabbing, you know, has happened in the creative world before. And so you have to weed those people out and um, find the people who lift you um, and, and help you be a better version of yourself. Yeah, no, that's, that's really good. There's a lot to unpack there. Let's start with the, the feedback part. You know, how do you find in, in a, as you build your team, how do you find people that are going to give you good honest feedback. And when I say that, it's not always fun. You know, good feedback makes us better and it's a gift um, and we should embrace it and really learn to take it, learn to give it. Um, But how do you do that when, you know, there's just so many people, especially, you know, in an industry built on networking, it's, you know, how do you establish a relationship where it's a safe space where, you know, you can say to somebody, you know, Hey, Rachel, I really need some good, honest feedback and create a moment where like, you know, when you share that feedback, you know, it's okay to tell Brandon the truth, (laughs) you know, Hey Brandon, by the way, you can be overbearing sometimes, (laughs) whatever it might be, right? Like I've heard that one sometimes, but, um, the, so, so what do you do to make sure, or how do you, cause, cause again, that circle's a little tighter, you know, not everybody you trust to give you that real raw, sort of um, soul type of work. So so what have you done in order to foster those type of relationships? Okay, there's a couple of things. One is that luckily we're in an industry where we are living, are living in, in like creative reviews and cre- critiques and stuff all the time. So we see how people perform critiquing and reviewing things, mm-hmm. right? And if you see somebody who repeatedly gives amazing um, like uh, feedback on on creative work, Ask them because they yeah. probably have some amazing feedback to give you um, that's um, probably put artfully, um, but is really insightful and actionable. Um, and so tap into those people, um, build build a sense of trust with them. Um, and um, and then on the flip side, um, if you're somebody who, who can um, take critique with your work well, then they probably know that you have open ears and, um, and want to hear um, the real, real. Um, the other thing is I think getting um, outside perspectives is really smart too. So one of my mentors through the years was actually a an account, um, an account lead and a partner, um, a former partner at Barefoot who was the sales guy. Mm. 
Um, and so he was kind of on the opposite end. I'm a, I was a writer and he was the presenter, the sales guy, the client relationship person. And I wanted to know what did he think about my work? Because of course I care what my boss, um, you know, Barefoot was Steve Kissing. I love that guy. I wanted to know what he thought about my work. But then I also wanted to know, like when you take me into a presentation with you to sell work with you, what can I do better? Mm-hmm. Um, and he has different feedback for me than, you know, John Yango had different feedback for me than Steve Kissing did. Um, and so, so I think getting a, a variety of perspectives is important too. Yeah, that's great. I love that. Like, you don't really think much about listening and observing the world. To, to you know, you think about you know, you know, great creatives, and you think about people's position and their title or whatever. But to really view and and see somebody and go, wow, they give great feedback, and then make a note to go, huh, I should ask them for personal feedback. <laughs> like, that's a really great insight. I that's something that I haven't really thought about. Um, you know, in that way. So I think that's a great tip. Um, you know, the other point I want to unpack is you mentioned, um, you know, having the right people, the right team, the team that's going to support you. And I think a topic that, you know, we don't talk about enough and it's, and it's hard to talk about is, you know, what do you do when you have people in your life who are caustic, who are just toxic, who are, um, sometimes those people might be family, you know, like, can you really design your best life if you have people in your circle or on your team who are constantly pulling you down, constantly telling you it's not possible, you know, so what is, what is your feedback for those who might have some people like that in their circle? How do you get, how do you maybe get them off the team, (laughs) but, but not, you know, you don't have to delete people, right? It's almost like, um, I guess on social media, you just sort of mute them. Yeah, you know, like right. you're still friends, you're there. <laughs> but or, nothing shows up or, in your feed. Yeah, or like you're still family. <laughs> right. Like I love you, but <laughs> but you you're, sit over there. <laughs> you're getting muted. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you? What's your advice for people oh, that you know are trying to build their circle, their their team, yeah. to design a great life, but then they've got this this one voice that is just really wrecking it. That's a tough one. And I, I, you know, that's probably an improvement area for me. So I'm learning too, and I readily will take any tips on that. I do think that healthy boundaries are really important and shaping communication because, you know, we all get stuck on teams with people we don't vibe with. Um, We all have people in our family who are kind of like, you do what and why? And is that a real job? And, you know, you, oh, she, Mm -hmm. she works from home, you know, and so (laughs) they just don't get it and they're not going to get it. You know, they're not going to get it. And so you have to figure out how to work around those people um, without, like you said, deleting them. Because especially in a work environment, you can't. You can't. You're stuck on a team with them. advertising is such a small community. Yes. I mean, literally, like, it doesn't matter what city you're in. Like, you could be anywhere and people are like, oh, yeah, I know. I know her. I know him. Yeah, we worked on this project together. You're like, what? Yeah. (laughs) You can't. You can't burn bridges, but you can build healthy boundaries. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I'm, I'm learning myself. Um, I think um, you have to make your, um, I, I think you can't feed the fire, you know, especially <laughs> if they're inflammatory, um, but to be gen- uh, gentle, kind, um, and, but firm. Yeah. I think you have to be firm with your communications with people like that. Yeah. I th- you know, I think where I have 
I think another thing that could be helpful is, you know, when you're building your team, declare your values, you know, and, and be able to state, you know, Hey, this is, I'm designing a life that stands for this, right? So, you know, one of the things I've really been focusing on over the past couple of years is, um, you know, the ideas of empathy and abundance, you know? And so when those are values, I want people on my team who try to tap into that empathy of seeing the world in other people's shoes and the idea of abundance of, you know, anything is possible. There's enough to go around for all of us to be successful. I can be successful and you can be successful versus a scarcity mindset where I'm not going to celebrate your promotion or your, or your win because it means I don't get to win. And I think when you declare your values and you start to build a team around values, then it's a little easier to say um, or to be strategic and say, you know, hey, look, you know, I'm really focusing on, you know, um, empathy and abundance right now. And um, I value that you, your critiques and your um, lens that sometimes um, respect scarcity. Uh, I value that and I think that's great. But right now, I don't need that in my, in my everyday. Um, so maybe there's like some ways like that where it's, it's less of you making it personal saying, I need you to get out of my circle and more of, hey, I'm really focusing on these values. And these are um, some other areas that really are building me up in these values. So, so you know, nothing personal, but, you know, I'm probably not going to have as much time to invest in this relationship. You know, those things are always hard to say and hard to do. Um, but maybe celebrate, like, but you know what? Like, when I need this point of view, like, I'm calling you, you know? Like, celebrate what, you know, is good. Because there's value in all sorts of different point of views, right? So that might be a way. I don't know. Is that empathy and abundance? That's a beautiful way to put it. That's a smart way to put it. And I like that a lot. So, so what's, what's next for you? I mean, here we are, you're designing this beautiful life. You have a beautiful life. You got a a great little family and and you're doing the thing and you're successful and you're, you're building your practice. Um, You know, what's, what's next for you? What do you, where, where do you go from here? Hmm. Well, I, I've thought about that a lot. Um, you can only grow so much as, as one. And, um, and I, I, I have grown a lot over the last several years being able to uh, collaborate on teams with other people. You know, when I, when I first started out 12 years ago being independent, there were some copywriters, some designers, that was it. Now there is somebody in, in every discipline Mm-hmm. Basically, um, and so you can you can put together your own your own shop, a fluid shop, um, and go after bigger clients, bigger projects together with a united front. Um, and so I've been figuring that out because I also just like to fly solo mm-hmm. a lot too. Sometimes I like to be a lone wolf, and so I want to retain that autonomy. Um, so I've been experimenting with sort of kind of fluid platforms of pulling people together for larger projects and then kind of doing my own thing on a consulting level, um, just on my own. And then I can kind of go back and forth. And so, yeah, so that's nice. So fluid shop, let's, let's unpack that for a second. So, so what I'm hearing is you have strategic partnerships in all disciplines Mm -hmm. and at the drop of a hat, Mm -hmm. you throw up the bat signal yeah. And all the superheroes <laughs> converge like the Mighty Morphine Power Rangers. 
and you compete for big RFPs yeah. under said emblem. Yes. And then once it's done, everyone goes back to their own bat caves yeah. and they take off their <laughs> pink and purple and yellow Power Ranger suit and they just live their seemingly normal lives. Yes. And they everyone does their own freelance gig and oh yeah, I'm designing here, I'm designing there until the bat symbol f- shows itself again. That's kind of what I'm hearing. Yes. Yeah. And and that's been happening for the last few years. And it is not always me. Somebody else yeah. will call and say, Hey, I just got I just got handed this giant <laughs> team, RFP. Team assemble. Exactly. <laughs> and they're like, I don't know what to do with this. You know some people. I know some people. Let's do this thing. And so and that's been fun. And I'm like, wait a second, you can service a much bigger client with a model like this, but I don't want to yeah. commit long term. And so um that that's worked in a couple instances and it's been really fun. I mean, so I'm like, so I've been thinking about, okay, also how can you formalize it a little bit more? Because yeah. the problem with that is say you get five people together. Yeah. Um, one time that happened was with a great designer in town named Kim post. Um, and so she's Kim post creative, I think. Um, but she just goes by her name, just like I just go by my name. Um, and so we got together, we got this big team of people together and it's like, okay, well, what are we going to call ourselves? You know, like what's the branding here? You know, and yeah. she's like, well, Kim brought the project. So it's all under Kim Post. And um, so, but it didn't really represent the fact that they were all these great thinkers. And yeah. so- and what, how, what do you do with the contract? How do you, you know, manage what happens if the project grows beyond who's who gets part of what? I mean- Yeah, so, so in that case, we were all subs under Kim and Kim's branding, which made sense. Yeah. She brought the project, but that it doesn't fix all it's the things. It's kind of like for those of you who are over 40, you might understand this reference, but it's kind of like the traveling Wilburys. You know, who's in charge? Is it is it Tom Petty? Is yeah. it Roy Orbison? Yeah. Like, is it Bob Dylan? <laughs> Whose band is this? Yeah. You know, but you know, oh, you know, you're just heading at, down the tracks in a train. Yeah, at some music. point, at some point, it it doesn't matter, right? Um, but because the the music is good, but at some point, you gotta you gotta deal with royalties. Exactly. Um, so um, so lately, just lately, I've been experimenting with it um, with a designer who I love. Um, she recently left BLDG in Covington. Okay. She had been there for a while, and she's just an amazing designer. Um, her name is Becca Miller. And um, we were like, well, what if we make a thing and it's not really a formalized entity, but we can have a pitch deck and and make it a thing without it being a thing. And we'll invoice under our own names, and, but we will have more of a, of a thing with a unique selling proposition. She's like, let's, let's try it. And so um, we've pitched some projects um, under the name Love Potion, All right. um, which is kind of a custom tincture of talent that we bring to the table. So you know how it, you just have that magic team yeah. and it's just feels right and it's amazing. You find your flow together. Sure. Yeah. Um, and there's something about that that feels very love potion-y. And so um, hypnotic um, and trancing, it's just, it's, it's, a, it's a cool phenomenon that happens. And so, um, and so we built a deck and we pitched some projects and, um, and that's been fun. But also, I'm also doing Rachel Kirkwood's thing and she's doing Becca Miller's thing. And yeah. when we need more people, we'll pull them in and... Um, um, but it gives us a, a slightly larger platform to operate under. So I, I love how it always comes full circle. At an agency, independent contractor, now I'll start my own agency. 
Well, that's what I haven't wanted to do for years. Cause like, the overhead, and of course you don't need as much of that anymore, but I, you know, managing people, making sure you have the work yeah. coming and then, in. And then once you start your own agency, then you're successful. Then you're like, I'm done. Yeah, exactly. I'm going back. To, that's what happens. It's just the, exactly, the circle of life. It is. It's exactly what happens. The circle of so life. So I'm trying for a hybrid. We'll see what happens where you, you just pull it together when you need to, but you yeah. don't really have to hold it together well, all sure the time. I'm sure that's something that listeners are going to want to hear about. So if that's successful, we'll definitely have you back on the show. Okay. Um, I got one last question for you. Okay. Um, you're a mom. Mm-hmm. How many, how many you got? Two. Okay. Boys, girls, uh, a boy and a girl, nine and five. Okay. So mom of girl yeah. in this industry yeah. that has been predominantly, you referenced mad men earlier, yeah. right? So there's this image of the, 50, 40 something male drinking his bourbon with his, you know, office assistant, you know, um, dressed accordingly, (laughs) serving him his bourbon. Um, I think a lot of people are calling bullshit on that. Yes. So as they should be, you know, I want to give you an opportunity just to talk to those, those young women coming into this industry, you know, people who are excited to, to start to just take over and really make an impact, whether it's, you know, in strategy, copy, design, whatever it might be. Um, I just want to give you an opportunity to, to speak to that from your, your experience. We, we, we've talked today about designing your life. Um, what is your feedback to women in advertising? You would say to them, design your life this way. Yeah. Well, um, let me think about that for a second, because that, that has been that has been tough. It has been tough. And um, I remember going to an AIGA uh, meeting um, a, a while back. This was a before the pandemic. Um, but there was somebody there. Her name was Nicole, and she started Queen City Certified. And I don't know if you've heard of Queen City Certified, but it's a certification program. She she was actually a, a designer, I believe. Um, she was in the creative industry before. Uh, before she started this, and maybe it was the impetus for her starting this, but it's a certification program to help companies learn how to be more inclusive overall. I think it started more on the on, on the um, gender um, topic, but it's extended to to inclusivity of all kinds. And um, um, and she had um, she had a statistic, and I'm gonna I'm gonna have to follow up on this, but I believe she said uh, 51% of people in our industry locally are women. So it's pretty even split, um, but only eleven percent are in leadership roles, mm. and that like kind of hit me hard. Um, and so it 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 has been an issue. Um, I, I feel like there. Uh, I, I feel like my. I don't know. I just felt through the years that it was a little bit harder. Sometimes there were boy, boys clubs mm. clubs places, um, and it was hard to be in the boys club. Um, and that was a really real thing. You think, oh, Mad Men, that's a thing of the past. Um, they don't smoke cigarettes in the office anymore. Um, some people kept bourbon in their desks. But um, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it's um, but it still can be like that sometimes. Um, so I, I think um, being unapologetic is good. I think you got to come in strong um, and um, you can't be afraid to share your opinion. 
um, even if your voice is um, smaller and quieter, like mine is, even if you're naturally introverted, like I am, um, you just have to. Um, you just have to stick by what you believe on a uh, opinion, a topic, um, and keep on sticking with it. And over time, you will build trust and people will see, you know, she doesn't say a lot all the time, but when she does say something, it makes sense. When she does say something, it does ring true with the client. When she does say something, it does ladder up to what we've found out in consumer research the consumer really wants. Um, and, um, and you'll find your way. Good. That's good feedback. Now, I think, you know, I, I have the privilege of getting to work alongside Ember Marr. So she's, she's our majority sort of business owner for Leap Spark. And I think my feedback, and again, I don't have you know much room to talk here as a, as a white male, but what I can say is, you have to create space for people to speak truth to your life. And I think what's been great about, you know, getting to know Ember is, you know, she does, she'll, she'll, she'll call me out and she'll say, Hey, you know, I've got some feedback for you. And it's very specific to, you know, her point of view, you know, and she'll say, Hey, you know, just so you know that like, if you say this, sometimes this is how it might land ah. to, to the women in our office or to, to whoever, you know what I mean? And just simple things, right? Like it's not, not, I'm not talking about like discriminatory things. I'm talking about like, you mentioned unapologetic, but she pointed out to me, she said that, you know, that it's okay for, for a woman in leadership to have a softer tone. And so if she's, you know, if she happens to apologize, you know, sort of, um, about something she says, like, that's okay. She's just, that's, she's being, that's her, that's how she's expressing herself. And she sort of has a softer delivery and tone and, and she's trying to make sure that, you know, people in the room are sort of in agreement and whatnot. And it's okay. She doesn't have to be, you know, this like strong vocal leader that you quote, think, you know, so little things like that. And I think that, you know, I would encourage the, the, our, my male counterparts that, you know, create a space that's safe, that empowers your female counterparts and teammates to speak truth to your life because that's important and it's how we start to get this thing worked out. So yeah. that that's that's the thing that that I've really appreciated. So it's been fun to to get to know her and um we've got just a great working relationship where we can have that feedback for each other. Um but again, you have to carve out that space. Now I've been able to do that because I have a, a daughter and a wife at home who are, you know, she's she's the boss. So <laughs> she's in <laughs> corporate America. She's a the director of HR for 20 years. And um, so I get oh, a lot of, she knows it. Yeah, I get a lot of coaching. Yeah. I get a lot of coaching at home. Um, but I do, I do always want to be um, cognizant of that and, and allow those voices to be heard. So I really appreciate you asking about that. And I appreciate you providing a platform to, to talk about that. Um, and, and I think you hit on some really, some really cool things. Um, and like I said, I've done some research around this um, myself because it was kind of a, 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 a point of like what, you know, what are the values that Love Potion has if we make this more of a thing? And so it was not that we want to be female only in any way, but it is female led. And so kind of leaning into um, what those, um, what the, what female leaders bring to the table mm. that are complementary um, 
to male leaders and some things that we naturally are very intuitive. Um, we're naturally really nurturing, not, not all of us, but I think that there are some um, feminine traits that, um, and, I, and I don't mean girly, I mean, just kind of the yin and yang, you oh, know, yeah, sure. um, the, the sun and the moon. And I think that there, you know, if, if we can bring those things together more and um, women don't have to um, mirror masculine traits, I don't think that that'll be a thing in the in future years. M- mirroring masculine traits to be a leader, I think it's it's just that we find that balance of um, of uh, what what makes great ma- male leaders a lot of times, and then some of these this intuitive um, nurturing, more of a quiet force. Mm-hmm thing that that women can bring to the table too yeah. and it, 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 we're all going to be better for it i think well, it's going to be great it's going to even out too that that hopefully the opposite works as well right you know as we all evolve in our emotional intelligence that we start to see male leaders mirroring really great female traits you know and be like wow he's really intuitive and sensitive yes. and really in tune with you know those sort of things like that should be you know i think hopefully um, one of the byproducts as well, as we all start to just appreciate each other. So I'm excited, you know, as a teaser, one of the things we're going to do on the show, um, I don't have it all worked out yet. There's some logistical things we have to overcome because it's going to, it's going to uh, involve multiple guests, but I'm working to set up some panel discussions where I'm going to yield the mic to conversations. I don't have a right to lead. Um, so the, the one we're kind of talking about now. So I want to have a, um, a quick read female led panel discussion on females in, in advertising. Um, I want to do one on sort of, you know, BIPOC diversity, um, have that panel as well. And then also one with, you know, LGBTQ panel as well, um, led by different voices and across the country and different, you know, each panel is going to have somebody from a small market, large market, um, somebody who's, you know, you know, lesser known, more well-known, that sort of thing. And that's going to be something we do on some, some special episodes in between the regular um, bi-weekly podcast. That's so brilliant. I'm working on putting it together. So if you're listening and you're out there and you are like, wow, that's, I want to be a part of that conversation. So if you want to be a part of one of those panels or conversations, just reach out to me. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, Brandon Ferris. You can go to um, Instagram uh, at a quick read podcast and shoot me a DM, but we will be building, um, these panels and hosting, you know, really important conversations, um, in advertising. So that's exciting. Um, but, uh, for those that want to get a hold of you who are, who are like, wow, I loved what she's saying. I, I loved how she, she, uh, was drawn to this book and, you know, I want to work with her. I want to get to know her. I want to be mentored by her, whatever it is. How do people get a hold of you? Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, um, Rachel, R-A-C-H-E-L, Kirkwood, um, and also rachelkirkwood.com. Okay, so they can reach out, find you there, um, maybe join the superhero group, maybe. Oh, yeah. if you're, you, There's probably a secret password. There's probably some other things that have to happen. They have to fight you, I think. There's like, <laughs> somehow, yeah, there's, <laughs> they have to show epic up. Battle. Yeah, there's an epic battle. <laughs> And if they prove their worth, you know, samurai style, they can come in. I love that. Um, so, well, that is that is great. And and it's been a really fun conversation. Thanks for coming into the studio. Oh, thanks um, for inviting it's me. Good to, to hang out in person. 
And um, as always, you know, if you're listening and you're like, wow, this is just a really great conversation. It's helped me grow. It's helped me understand or think about who I want to become. Um, then I'm, I'm glad. I'm happy for you. Uh, there's a lot of these conversations that happen. They happen every other Tuesday. Uh, we drop new shows at 6 a.m. You can subscribe on uh, iTunes or Spotify. And if you want to be a part of the conversation, hop over to Instagram at a quick read podcast where we normally post sound bites and there's an opportunity to engage there and on LinkedIn as well. So thanks so much, everybody, for your support. This has been a lot of fun getting to hear everybody's story and yours, Rachel. Well, thank you, Brandon. You are awesome. Thank you. I feel the same way about you. And we'll see you next time. Cheers. Hey there. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you did, please subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Join the conversation on Instagram at a quick read podcast. See you in two. A Quick Read is a Leap Group podcast.